But here's a question. Why is Jesus irreplaceable at Christmas? Because, well, it's about him, but there's a lot of people going through a lot of motions and traditions without Jesus. Not even that he's replaceable, he's just not even needed. Right? But for us as followers of Jesus, us as believers, really, why, biblically, doctrinally, is he not replaceable? I mean, right? Right? Jesus is the reason for the season, but what does even that mean theologically? Theologically, I got those buttons, I got that t-shirt, you know, I think we even have something we put in our front yard every once in a while. Jesus is the re- oh, we, <laughs> we do have it, right? It's right there by our plant in the front, on the sign. Jesus is the reason for the season. Why? I know, I know you're thinking event. You're thinking event. Well, he was born. Yeah, but Why? What is, why is he, that's what we're looking at. Because if you don't understand the why he is re, not replaceable, you're missing the love of God. Why Jesus is the reason for the season should pretty much knock us on our knees and overwhelm us with the love of God. Right? But again, the church, we kind of get caught up in tradition and slogans and posters and buttons and all this and nothing necessarily wrong with it. Jesus is the reason for the season. But if you are focusing on tradition instead of theology, instead of understanding the why you believe that, not what you believe, but why you believe it, you're kind of missing out on the love of God. And if we, if you will take the time, if we walk as we walk through this this morning, if you'll kind of stop, you might just have your entire view radically shifted before you leave here about what we're about to celebrate in three days. Because you're going to have a deeper understanding of why you're doing it. These songs we just sang, what's really behind them? To make it personal, not just Christmas songs, right? We invited you to go to the Triple uh, C at 145. And we're going to love the people. Bill's going to do a devotional. And then we're going to walk around and we're going to sing carols. Okay. Are those just generic carols that we're supposed to sing because it's Christmas and they're, you know, they're, they touch our memories and they're you know, real nostalgic and it's feel good? Are we just going there to do feel good songs? Or when you sing at Triple C, are you singing from your gut and your heart? Are you singing because it's personal, man? This song means something to me. Because I understand, I heard something this morning that radically changed why Jesus is the reason for the season. And that's my prayer for us. And it all goes back to the love of God, right? Now, here's the thing. If you're going to know why Jesus is the reason for the season, it goes back to the nature of God. It goes back to the nature of God. Now, we tend to focus on uh, God's love, Right, John three sixteen. For God so loved the world. Okay, God is love. We know that in First John. But one very important aspect of the Christmas story of why Jesus is the reason for the season is God's holiness. God's holiness, His righteousness. See, God has attributes, and His attributes, His character, manifests itself in how He expresses it to us. Okay, so God is holy. That is expressed to us in justice. He has to be just, exercise perfect judgment. His holiness is expressed to us, he relates to us in justice and in judgment. 
God is love. How is that expressed? In mercy and grace. You have to understand, you cannot eliminate God's holiness in Christmas. In fact, his holiness and love are inseparable. Inseparable, right? For instance, John 3.16, most of us see, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. That is what everyone memorizes. That is the emphasis, right? And what is the emphasis in that verse? Love. If you read 17 and 18, it's the balance. Let's read it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. So if you read those three verses, you get holiness and love. You get mercy, grace, and justice and judgment. It's inseparable because God can never act in a way that's contradictory to his nature. So think about this. God is holy, holy, holy. God is love. All the time, he has to manifest both of those perfectly. Okay, you can never separate them. Even in Christmas. Even in Christmas. You have to bring God's holiness and his love into Christmas to understand why Jesus is the reason for the season. And we're going to see that, right? Ephesians 2 says this. You were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked. He's talking to us. He's talking to us. In which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. How many of you are feeling really good right now about that passage? Not a lot of Christmas joy in there, right? Right? You're, hey, you're dead in your trespasses and sins. You're following the course of this world, the prince of the power of the air. You know, we all were living in the passions of our flesh. We were living for ourselves. We were nature children of wrath like everyone else on this planet. Merry Christmas! Right? But here's the thing. You have to, you have to stay here. You have to understand what is being said about our condition without Jesus to understand why Christmas matters, why Jesus is irreplaceable. Because these first three verses really just speak in the truth, right? There's a definition of truth, which is that which corresponds to reality. The definition of truth, one of the definitions of truth, is that which corresponds to reality. Ephesians 2, 1 through 3 is saying, hey guys, here's some truth about your condition without Jesus. Here's the reality, Okay? And it's painful because most of us want to give our, now we're, we're good. Oh, there you go. There you go. Calling me a horrible person. I'm not calling you a horrible person. The Bible just says without Jesus, this is our condition. This is what we are, we're about ourselves. We are separated, living for ourselves in sin, right? You can't gloss over this. If you gloss over this, it affects how you view Christmas because you really don't understand why Jesus is the reason. In fact, these three verses set the tone for Christmas. And it's uncomfortable, and you're like, okay. Ooh, yeah, not a, like I said, not a lot of joy in those verses. Not a lot of feel good. But here's the thing. 
Those three verses, if you understand them and are willing to accept them for you, can springboard you into incredible joy. These three verses launch you into Christmas, right? They do. You have to get this, right? Because this, Ephesians 2, 4, and 5 says, But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved. Right? So the first three verses, kind of like, oh, man, really? Kind of like, wow, that hurts. I'm not feeling really good right now. And then it turns this fast. You, if you've been with me, you know that when there's certain words pop up in Scripture, the ones that we tend to kind of just gloss over, we'll stop. Because usually it's the simplest words where God's trying to say something that will knock you off your feet if you ponder it. Those first two words of verse 4 are all about Christmas. See, one through three is we have a problem. Houston, we have a big problem. And none of us can fix it on our own. And then suddenly in verse four, the first two words change the course of mankind. But God. But God. See, if you understand where you were in verse one, two, and three, but God should put a smile on your face. But God should knock you to your knees. But God should take any pride and arrogance out of you. But God should go, oh my, wow, wow. But God. If you're comfortable writing in your Bibles, you're taking notes, I encourage you, highlight, circle, underline, but God. Those two words change the course of your life for all eternity and all of mankind. But God. Because here's the crazy thing. He didn't have to. It was our problem, not his. And our problem had no fix in, our, in and of ourselves. It was a but God moment. Christmas is about but God. It's a manifestation when it says but God. Christmas is, wow. He really meant, he did something, didn't he? Yeah. It was a tangible manifestation of the but God, right? But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. We were dead, but God, because of his great love for who? Okay, now make it personal. For me, manifested in mercy and grace. But God, we were dead in our trespasses. But God, in his great love, has mercy and grace on me. Mercy and grace. What is mercy? Mercy is one definition, simple definition, is not getting what you deserve. Not getting what you deserve. It's, it's like compassion, loving kindness. It's alleviation of suffering. Not getting what you deserve is mercy Grace is getting what you don't deserve. We didn't deserve anything. Right? It's getting what you don't deserve. We talked about this a lot. It's unmerited favor, undeserved, unsought. Okay. 
unsought. Those first three verses, not only did we have a problem, we weren't even seeking God. Isn't that crazy? Think about this. We were so consumed with ourselves, so living for ourselves, we weren't even seeking God, but God. Who does that? That's crazy. A lost people living for themselves, dead in trespasses and sins, not even wanting anything to do with God, but God initiates. But God extends mercy and grace to people who aren't even seeking him. That's crazy. Man, oh man. How many of you remember a time when coming to church was the last thing you ever wanted to do? Okay, you weren't seeking God, were you? But verse 4 says, but God did something for you when you didn't want to be here. That's crazy. That's mercy and grace. That's mercy and grace, right? And it depends how you look at this, right? There's a perception that you've got to kind of go, wow. I came across this, this story. An atheist said, quote, if there is a God, may he prove himself by striking me dead right now. Nothing happened. You see, there is not God. Someone else responded, you've only proved that he is a God who possesses amazing grace. Perception. What side are you on? Right? Right? You need to know all of God's attributes to really understand why Jesus is the reason for the season, to really let the love of God come into your heart and life. In Christmas, here's a slide. I put up all three. His justice, just is what? Getting what you deserve. Mercy, not getting what you deserve. Grace, getting what you don't deserve. You've got to understand this to really have a deeper understanding and appreciation. For Christmas, Regarding justice, Psalm 97, the Lord reigns. Let the earth rejoice. Let the many coastlands be glad. Clouds and thick darkness are all around him. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. Romans 2.5, but because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, you're storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath when his righteous judgment will be revealed. What about mercy? Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. What did we deserve? Death, eternal separation. We didn't get that. Right? Grace, getting what you don't deserve. Ephesians 2.8, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. All three are necessary to really understand why Jesus is the reason for this season. I love this from the uh, Bible Knowledge Commentary. It says, God's divine dilemma was how to satisfy his own righteousness and its demands against sinful people. And at the same time, how to demonstrate his grace, love, and mercy to restore rebellious, alienated creatures to himself. The solution was the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, God's incarnate Son, and the acceptance by faith of that provision by individual sinners. Christ's death vindicated God's own righteousness. He is just because sin was paid for. And enables God to declare every believing sinner righteous. You see, Christmas is about God's holiness and love coming together to solve our problem. That's the heart. That's what's going on with Jesus. That's why Jesus is irreplaceable. 
That's why you can never replace him, right? And so I want to I help us as, as we kind of just move through this to see that Jesus is the reason for the season. I'm going to challenge you, challenge us to not just think theologically rather than traditionally, but to begin to speak biblically about why Jesus is the reason for the season, right? So, so why is he? Look at this slide right here. There's a word called incarnation. Everyone say incarnation, right? Incarnation simply means to become flesh, right? To become flesh. So rather than Christmas, what difference would it make if you started saying incarnation? Right? We wish you a merry incarnation. But that's really what it is. But it's Jesus' birthday. Yeah, I get that. No, but the incarnation is really more profound. See, we celebrate a lot of birthdays. Every month we sell a lot of birthdays. But we really don't celebrate incarnations. Because there was only one. It changes everything. Oh, happy birthday, Jesus. I get that. We go home. We have a tradition for years. We sing happy birthday, Jesus. We have a happy birthday, Jesus. I'm so glad it's Christmas, right? We have our little song we sing since our kids were this big. Now they're 20-somethings, and they're like, can we sing it? And I'm like, yeah, we'll sing it. It is Jesus' birthday. I get it. But more profound, more cutting to the heart, it's his incarnation. It's God becoming flesh, Right? Look at these verses, John 1, 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. Philippians 2, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. Galatians 4, here's a theological, this is the importance of it. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoptions as sons. There was a very important aspect of Jesus being born, and it had to do with fulfilling the law. He had to come to redeem us who were under the curse of the law. There's a deep theological importance to this incarnation, right? So there's incarnation. And the incarnation leads to what? The crucifixion. Right? He had, to, he had to physically come if he was going to be physically crucified. Right? Philippians 2, being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. John one twenty nine. the next day he saw Jesus coming toward him, John the Baptist, and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Why is this theologically important that he's not just, you know, it wasn't just talk. Oh, the Lamb of God, the Lamb of God. No. Okay. He, he came under the law, right, to fulfill the law. Hebrews 9.22 says this. Indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. The Lamb of God had to shed his blood for us. This is why he's the reason for the season. There's the incarnation, which led to the crucifixion, and ultimately, what? The resurrection. See, when you say Jesus is the reason for the season, you can talk, talk to people, all three. Incarnation, crucifixion, resurrection. Use it as an excuse. Jesus is the reason for the season. What do you mean by that? 
Incarnation led to crucifixion, led to resurrection. Right? Why is the resurrection important theologically? It's not just Easter. Don't just say Easter. You have to understand, why does it matter that he was raised from the dead? Why does it really matter? Right? We know what we celebrate. We know the event. But why does that event matter? Right? We talked about this last Easter. Romans 4.25. He was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life, resurrection, for our justification. How many of you, how many of you remember when Jesus was about to die? Remember he said, uh, it is finished. Right? What that meant was paid in full. It's, a, it's an accounting term. Right? To telestai. When he says it is finished, it means, he means paid in full. Payment has been made. Question. How do we ever know that payment was accepted? Jesus said, paid in full. How do you know Father accepted the payment? He was raised to life for our justification. The resurrection means that payment was accepted. Amen? That's why you got to have the resurrection. That's why Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, Hey, you people at the well on December 22nd, if the resurrection didn't happen, go home. Go watch NFL. Go watch NBA. Go about your business. Go shopping. Why are you here, people at the well, if you don't believe the resurrection happened? Because he says, if it didn't happen, you're still in your sin. My preaching is futile. Your believing is futile. We're all liars, and we're to be pitied. If the resurrection did not happen in the timeline of Earth's history, I'm not coming back. This is ridiculous. I agree with you. This is ridiculous, profoundly idiotic for us to be here. If the resurrection did not happen in the timeline of Earth's history. That's 1 Corinthians 15. That is what Paul is saying. You're still lost. You're still Ephesians 1, 2, and 3, those verses. That's why it matters. I shared this with you. How many of you tend to use a debit, or debit card or credit card when you buy stuff? When you're looking at the machine, right? Insert. And how many of you are relieved every time it says approved? <laughs> Re- please remove card, right? Anyone ever hold back? How many of you have ever had like a mistaken declined? And you're panicking because the cashier is like, and you're like, no, really? I, no, really? It shouldn't be doing that. That just like happened to me at Ross like a week ago, right? I'm like, I'm sweating. I'm like, why is it declined? Why is it declined? She's like, maybe you put it in too early. You know how you have to put it in at a certain time? And I'm like, whoo. I was like, you know, no one likes to say declined, right? So I share that with you because this is kind of like I shared with you on Easter. From now on, when you go and you pay for something and it says approved, think of the resurrection. Right? I do that all the time. Whenever it says approved, it reminds me that Father accepted the payment of Jesus. It reminds me that my salvation is literally paid for. So I'm like, you know, it's funny because I'll be like, approved. I'm like, thank you, Jesus. I I get my car and I I literally, approved. That's why the resurrection matters. It's Father saying approved. Right? So you go incarnation to crucifixion to resurrection. That's why Jesus is the reason for the season. Because Ephesians 2, 1, 2, and 3 said we had a really big problem. But God, but God sent Jesus to be incarnated, to be crucified, 
to be resurrected. For whose benefit? Whose benefit? Me. Because I had a problem called sin. I was, I was, I deserved to be separated. John 3, 16, I was already under condemnation. I was, I was under, already under God's wrath. But God, because of his great love, extends his mercy and grace and keeps his holiness. Because Jesus fulfills the law. Isn't that crazy? Isn't it? It's, it's, it's mind-numbing. It's mind-numbing to recognize my absolute helpless and hopeless condition and to simply have, but God, and then at the end, he's like, just take it by faith. That is mind-blowing. I'm so lost, but God, and he says, just take it, Richie. It's already paid in full. Just receive by grace, you have been saved through faith. Just take it. The, the but God changes Christmas. And but God makes Jesus irreplaceable. Because when he said, when he said, okay, wait. But God, he turned to Jesus and said, I got to send you. I got to send you. You got to you got to go through the incarnation. Then you got to get crucified. But I'm going to raise you. I'm going to raise you because I love him. But you got to go through this because I'm also holy and just. That's Christmas. That's why Jesus is the reason. It's more than traditional. It's deep. There's theological depth to Christmas. And if you'll take the time to ponder it, the love of God just overwhelm you. Right? You can come up here. We, uh, for communion, we're going we're gonna to sing a, a song that many of you really enjoy listening to, enjoy singing. And it's a reflective song. It asks a question. And before we sing it, we're going to ask the question because it's a song that, that is about Mary... And the question is, hey, Mary, did you really know who your son was going to be? Now, in Luke, the angel comes and tells her, and she's like, what? Right? And in Matthew, the angel had come to Joseph and said, hey, Joseph, by the way. And he's like, what? They're trying to get it. And I can only imagine both Joseph and Mary going, what? okay, wait, time out. Let me, let me let this sink in here. Mary, did you know? Well, the question for us this morning, a question for me, a question for you personally is, Brenda, did you know? Randy, did you know before you sat, before service started, did you really know why Jesus is the reason for the season? Mike, did you really, did, Mike, did you know but God for you? You know? Linda, did, did, you know, did you know when you were lost, he extended his, his mercy and grace? Did you know? Did you know? Right? Betty, did you know that, that 
He's holy, so he had to be just, and his justice required Jesus' death and resurrection because he loves you with his great love. Betty, did you know this morning? Did you know that? Did you know? Did you know this morning the truth of but God for you? Not in a global, generic sense. The but God. His mercy and grace for you.